0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Blood Red podcast. My name's Dan Kay and I'm making my hosting debut today. So I'm hopeful that three of my esteemed colleagues from the Liverpool Echo Sports Desk will be gentle with me. I'm joined by on my left hand side our Liverpool correspondent both home and away Paul Gorst. How are you Paul? I'm good Dan, yeah. How are you? Um, all right, slightly Sh- stopped shaking in. now. Now i am uh, got the ball rolling here. Um, Mr Ian Doyle, how are you sir? I'm okay. Good, good, good. And uh, to my right, Mr. Joe Rimm. How are you, kid? That was seamless. It was great. It was. It's almost like this wasn't sprangled me five minutes ago.
1: (laughs) You you did the um, both home and away and all that. Well, it's it's
0: drilled in now. It's like muscle memory, isn't it? Um, Right. Well, first off, um, we'll talk to our two lads who've been up at Melwood this afternoon to uh, hear Mr. Jürgen Klopp in his pre-Burnley press conference. Um, He had a few things to say. Um, What were the standout parts for you, Paul? Possibly the
2: the stuff on Bobby Duncan. Um, Hmm. He was asked a question and he he was actually asked, are you okay to, am I okay to ask this question? And and he paused and he said, you are okay, but I'm not going to say a whole lot because everything I say is, he's very aware of, of, you know, the the profile of himself, isn't he? So anything he says is just blown up times 10 and it's it's on every website and newspaper around. So he kept his counsel to a degree and he, he made a general point about young players and... um. He said, only Lionel Messi at 17 can, can do what he wants and say what he wants. Everyone else will be wise to listen to the coaches and listen to the people that you've got around them and be patient. That was the message. Um, these young players who you want to break into the first team, that's great and it's it's superb that they've got ambitions like that. Maybe to replicate someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold, but patience is the key because the European champions and they've got good players and great players in pretty much every position. Um, so we didn't... It wasn't aimed at Bobby Duncan per se. It was more of an overarching point, but um, that would definitely apply to Bobby Duncan. Mm. Um, so that was his message.
0: It would have been very easy for him, Ian, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it, for Jurgen just to say, "Sorry, boy, shutting this down straight away. Not going to go. Not going to broach it at all." Mm. I think it says a lot about his openness and his approachability that we've seen in you know getting on for four years as Liverpool manager, that even though he obviously was as Gorsty said, acutely aware not to give the press any easy headlines. He wasn't going really to shy away from it either.
3: No, I mean, Gorsi's right. He he didn't really want to say anything on it, did he? he? He said the club's issued a statement and that would be the end of that. But then he was asked a bit later on, actually, to a question that was very well worded, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Where even even Jürgen Klopp <laughs> yeah. said, that's a very smart question there. <laughs> um, and he did answer it and he did make the, the, the point about patience. And I think that's something that he said before. I mean, just talking about, Bobby Duncan, when we saw that story come out, what was it now? Wednesday. Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah, it was Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah, Wednesday. We were like, oh no, he's like, at first you thought it wasn't real. At first you thought it was some kind of a joke, but obviously it wasn't. And, you know, it, it is a bit of patience. Players do need patience, certainly at that age. I mean, you mentioned Trent. He's obviously kind of an exception to that particular rule. But even then there was an exceptional set of circumstances meant that he was actually getting into the team. It was it? Klein got injured against... Yeah you know, against, uh, against, before the game against Manchester United, was it now? Trafford, was it February 2017 yeah. now, I think it was. January Sorry, January, January, January yeah. 2017. Yeah. Had the one-all game, yeah. So, and even then, he didn't then feature, I don't think, regularly until the following season. So, you know, for, for Trent, he had a little bit of weight, but, but Trent, you always thought he was somebody that could come through and he was always touted. For Bobby Duncan, it's different because he's, he's a striker playing at, at the under 18 and now he's got through to the under 23 level inside one season. So for him, that's progress. So, maybe does need to recognise the fact that he's actually done a step up already with Liverpool. And I think because he went off on the tour though and you know, scored against Tranmere and he's been in and around the first team over the summer that he's come back and he perhaps thought, "Oh, I'll be getting into the squad. And, you know, Rian Brewster's not got into the squad. And he's not somebody true. who is ahead of him. And look who else is ahead of Bobby Duncan. You know, <laughs> Mohamed Salah, Roberto Firmino, Sadio Mane, Divock Origi. You know, there's three of the best strikers, probably the best forward line in the world another guy who scored in a Champions League final and a semi-final and you've got Ryan Brewster who's played in a in a you know, World Cup final albeit at under-17 level but he's somebody that they've expected a lot of and, he, and he's somebody who's had to show patience as well so mm. while Jürgen Klopp didn't want to refer to Bobby Duncan as Ghosty said basically but it was a pointed remark not so much him because he did make a mention of the parents as well didn't he? Yeah. So yeah. I think it's just that youngsters have to recognise the don't necessarily have to be in the first team at 18. Because if you know Salah, Firmino, Mane at 18 years of age, would they have been in
0: the Liverpool first team? Of course they wouldn't. I don't think they were in the first team at the clubs they were yeah, playing for. Exactly, yeah. It takes time to get to that level, doesn't it? Joe, one thing that, that struck me when listening to um, the short section that Jurgen Klopp was prepared to talk about this today was when he talked about how one thing that's fundamental to their approach to young players at Liverpool is, is that they care mm-hmm. about their progress, not just as footballers, but as people. Um, and obviously I understand that he was unwilling to get into specifics over the Bobby Duncan situation. But from what you've seen since Klopp's been at Anfield, would you know the approach you know, to his squad, the club, the fans in general, would you, know, would you say that bears out? Definitely. I mean, it's, it's a strange
1: one with, with Bobby Duncan because by all accounts, one of the reasons he was desperate to come to Liverpool, and apart from the fact it is his boyhood club, is that everything that Klopp's done with, with young players and the, the, the progress of of the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold um, and at Man City he never felt like he'd get that breakthrough and, and I think Klopp's got a good track record with young players. I feel like his agent just went low this week to try and to try and almost sever all ties and, and, and force Liverpool's hand and I think it shows that they care that they're not they're not doing that. They could just they could just make an easy decision here and say right that's the end of it off you go and you know the fact that they're they're almost willing to to come out, put a public statement out, uh, and then try and rehabilitate. not re- Rehabilitate isn't the right word, but but get Bobby Duncan back in back re-integrate. into the, reintegrate yeah. uh, Bobby Duncan back into the under twenty threes and and get him get him back playing again. And I think that that says a lot about them. So, so Duncan, you you can see that and i don't mean this in a negative way he's got a bit of an ego and a lot of young players and a lot of players have an ego and i think you need one to get to the very top mm. but he also can't they can't allow that ego to run away with itself and 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 force him to make bad decisions and i think his agent should be doing the opposite of what he's doing and saying to him look at all the progress you've made this year be patient work hard and you know the rewards will come and you'll get a bigger contract you'll get you'll get more first team ex- uh, experience it will come and to, to be 18 and, and even want to consider a move to Fiorentina. It's, it's not as if I could almost understand if it was, if it was a club that you thought, right, you're going to, you're going to get in the first team and it's, you're going to, you're going to be exposed, but Fiorentina, it's it just doesn't, it doesn't make, make sense. And, you know, <sighs> do
3: you think money was part of it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, I think <laughs> obviously helped. he wants, he wanted a new contract. He would have thought of, uh, I was with the, the first team this summer. Um, but Liverpool have got a wage structure there, haven't they? Especially for young players. And they're always. They'll break
3: it. Yeah, exactly. They've always been keen, ever since the days of Brendan Rodgers, because when he, he used to speak about it, saying they, they didn't want to give them too much too soon, because they, then they just, not say they'd down tools, but they think they'd made it. And they perhaps for some of them, not all of them, but the hunger wouldn't be there to, to keep progressing and improving. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think performance related pair, I think, has been something that's been talked about, certainly from a fan's point of view, as people would like to see in the game. And, and I think if, if ever an incident proved or or certainly illustrated how sometimes money can skew the perspectives of of young footballers. This is it. Moving on, uh, of course, uh, another (coughs) individual who was mentioned, who uh, the manager talked about today, who maybe isn't having the most enjoyable spell of his Liverpool time at the moment is Jordan Jordan Shaqiri. Obviously, it was was with a slightly different slant in that while Klopp said, I think the quote was something along the lines of, he's not the happiest at the moment. He's not exactly he's not rocking the boats. Tell us a bit more about what you made of that.
2: Uh, Well, he said, that he, is he the happiest at the club at the moment? No. But is he showing signs of it? No. Mm. And that's fair enough, isn't it? Shaqiri hasn't played a minute of Premier League football this season. And you could maybe understand a little bit of frustration on his part because he's been pretty much in and out since the turn of the year, hasn't he? He obviously played against Barcelona in that Champions League semi-final. But other than that, you would have to go through... His minutes with a fine tooth comb, and I can't really think of anything off the top of my head that, that's outstanding. Um, so I, I, but he is someone who Liverpool will need. Klopp said that himself. They're not exactly blessed with options beyond the front three, are they? Think maybe him and Origi between them are going to shoulder that responsibility if, he, if any of those front three doesn't play. And uh, Liverpool will need them, there's no doubt about that. It's early in the season. Um, the front three haven't really shown any signs of fatigue. They've basically carried on where they've left off haven't you hit the ground running uh, particularly Mo but um, Liverpool are, are, are going to get they're going to hit a sticky patch or you know there's going to be an injury or two and uh, shikiri will be needed at some stage so for now I suppose patience is the watchword for him as well and um, it's good to hear that he's he's basically taking a step back from Switzerland hasn't he for to focus on, on his club which um, I think most Liverpool fans would welcome and
0: We'll see how, we're, how we go over the next few weeks. Might even be a game from uh, tomorrow at Turf Moor. I mean, that's certainly a sign of his commitment and determination to try and make a success of his career at Liverpool, the fact that he has withdrawn from the Switzerland squad for this forthcoming international break-in. Um, obviously, this is the last game tomorrow at Burnley before the two weeks off. Um, but obviously, once we resume in the middle of September, the Champions League gets underway. Um, do you agree with Paul that it, it, it's likely to be possibly during that spell that that's when we will start to see the Swiss back in a red shirt and doing his stuff again. I think so. I mean,
3: they can't, of course you just said, those front three aren't going to play every single game. And also you've got to bear in mind that Sadio Mane had about two and a half weeks rest. Mm. I think Firmino and Salah only had three. And I know it's kind of changed from the days where Players have nine months, uh, nine months, nine weeks off. It weeks <laughs> <laughs> no, just felt, well, like, nine, just felt like nine. Just felt like nine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, they have about nine weeks off and then come back and they'd be two stone overweight or whatever. Th- those days have long gone now because they, they, the breaks are so short. But they still need time to, you know, if they're playing they're the intensity of Liverpool player, they're going to need breaks. They're going to need a, to step back a little bit. Uh, the Shakiri thing's interesting because I think partly as well with not playing for Switzerland is, I think they're basically. No matter what happens, what, the Euro 20 European Championships qualifying thing is just so convoluted because they got to the UEFA Nations League Finals. No matter where they finish in their group, they're already through to the playoffs. So it's almost like the games almost don't count. Mm. Uh, I think England are in the same position. So he didn't have to do that, did he? He didn't have to. He's, he's got some 80-odd caps for his country and it, it, he's somebody who loves playing for Switzerland. So for him to do that, is actually, it is a big deal. And it also underlines how much he wants to still make it at Liverpool. He'll have been told by Jurgen Klopp, look, you know, as, as Gorsi said, as, as Jurgen Klopp said in his, his press conference today, he's going to get chances. Come we've only played a couple of games this season. If you think back to last year, it was around later September, October, yeah. November, when he was playing, when they did switch to a 4-2-3 one, which suited him more. And, and there will be times when Liverpool, when they are, haven't got all three of the front three available, they may go, right, we're going to switch things around. And that's what he's there for. And that's why, that's why he will play. And that the interesting line for me from Klopp was that he wasn't much about Shakiri, but about all of them, that they have to make sure they're ready when they come in. And for Shaqiri to do this, that underlines that he's absolutely determined to be ready when his chance comes.
0: I think, Joe, this shows as well, doesn't it, the the ideal that Klopp has of, of a squad that is united, that is on the same page, that will go the extra mile for each other. We saw, you know, I think that the, the prime example would be that second leg against Barcelona, when the two heroes of the night were... Arigi and Alden two of the lesser heralded lights. In light of what's happened with Bobby Duncan this week, I think Shaqiri really provides a great example for the rest of the squad in terms of the kind of the standards of professionalism and um, teamwork that, that the manager expects. Absolutely. I've been really
1: impressed by him since he came to Liverpool because I think he came in with, perhaps unfairly, a bit of a reputation of, I wouldn't say a troublemaker, but somebody who's not afraid of speaking his mind when he's not happy and I think we all almost expected for when he wasn't in the team, for you know him to go away on in international duty and say that he deserved this, that, and the other. And he's never done that. He just seems to have got his head down, worked hard every single time he's been given an opportunity. I think he's he's done well, you know, whether he's whether he's made made assists or scored goals. He's he's certainly made his influence tell. So I feel a bit sorry for him, but I just think the thing with Shakiri is is that he is a bit of a luxury player, as Dolly mentioned. There, it felt like when when he was needed last season, I think there was a couple of reasons why Liverpool tweaked their formation, but they tweaked their formation to get him in the team. And I I don't think we've seen him play that often when they've played their traditional sort of 4-3-3. He seems to play in in that 4-2-3-1, wasn't it? Mm. So, look, if there's an injury, I think they wouldn't hesitate to do that again. But I think that was also... Might have been to, to get the best out of Fabinho at the time. He was still settling. I think it was also him, because Firmino
3: and, to a lesser extent, Salah hadn't yeah. started the season particularly yeah. well. And they so. got Salah
1: up front, didn't it? Yeah. I think if Firmino got injured, I think they'd probably, you know, which touch wood, that never happens, but they'd probably go back that way and then push Salah further forward and, and, and bring in Shaqiri. But yeah, I feel a bit sorry for him. He's a bit of a luxury player, but he's worked hard at Liverpool and I think he will get chances in the coming weeks. And, and just to, to go back to your point, I also think that's another reason why we didn't see many transfers in the summer because it is a close knit squad. It is a squad that has got a lot of players that seem to work for each other, and if you're just bringing people in for the sake of it, that's when you start causing issues, and that's when you start having players speaking out and not being happy. And you know, sometimes having a tight knit squad is a little bit of a, a risk if there are injuries, but at the same time, it, it's good if, if there isn't.
0: <clears throat> Moving on to um, Burnley. Tomorrow, Liverpool's fourth Premier League game of the season. It was um, last season's fixture at Turf Moor. I think a lot of people will look back as it look back at as a bit of a turning point for the Reds. Really, it was the, for, if I remember rightly, it was the Wednesday night after the Origi ninety plus six derby. Yep. There was a uh, there was the trip to Bournemouth the following Saturday coming up, and it was very much felt in the run up to it that this could be a real testing week um, for, for Liverpool. Um, yeah, we would seen it so many times in years gone by. A great result against Everton, Man United, whoever, only used to slip up against one of the so-called lesser lights. The Reds went a goal down and then fought back to win very impressively three one. But it was a it was a bit of a landmark day in Joe Gomez's season, wasn't it? Because he uh, suffered a broken leg in that challenge in the first half with Ben Me, uh, having been an absolute, pretty much first choice for the entire season up to that point alongside Van Dijk. And as we as we approach the fixture again, he. Um, kind of finds himself very much behind the pecking order in terms of Joel Matip. I know you've written uh, a piece for Blood Red this weekend um, for the Saturday Football Echo on Gomez. Tell us a bit more about how the significance of, uh, of this game for him. He hasn't. He <laughs> hasn't. Uh, it
2: talks, talks like Chamberlain but... You've uh, giving given a wrong for, stare there. <laughs> this is what happens when you land this on someone with five minutes to go. I mean Seamless. for Joel Gomez that, that, that game in December at Turf Moritz it's pretty much the archetypal turf more game isn't it it's mm. you know such a cliche and a stereotype of going there when it's wet and windy and dark and it's cold and they're looking to put the boots in and that's exactly what they did and Liverpool to their immense credit went a gold down, but just showed the, the character that they've done on so many occasions since character that has kind of been forged over the last year or so that wasn't always there for Jürgen Clapside. so um, that was a tough night for them, but they got through it. Came through. It could have easily been two two. Couldn't you remember Allison's mm, won the save. save in the last second, and, and he went up the other end and made it three one. Um, but it, yeah, it, it was a turning point for Gomez for, for the worst. Um, under that challenge from Ben Me, he was he, he was superb until then the first three or four months of the season alongside Van Dijk, and then he gets that leg fracture and he doesn't feature again until April. Um, and he hasn't really got back on the side since, has he? To, to be fair to John matter he's been excellent, and. Um, Matt wants to share it at the moment, so it it was a it, it was a turning point for Gomez. But he's, I think personally, he's got years ahead of him, and eventually we will see him become the, the first choice centre back. But uh, for now, he might just start to kick his heels on the bench or settle for bit part roles here at uh, right back and maybe in the league cup at centre back.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, and we'll get on to actually picking our team for mm. uh, for, for tomorrow. You know, towards the end of. Towards the end of the podcast, but um, Gomez has featured, you know, not just the centre back, but a right back for Liverpool. Bearing in mind the kind of unique challenge the Reds will face at Turf Moor tomorrow, would there be a certain kind of sense of cathar? You know, would it be cathartic almost to, to, to put Gomez back in as a sense of full circle? Do, 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 you know, do you think he, he 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 would be a good pick for tomorrow?
3: Well, you think. What people forget about that game against Burnley is that he actually was playing right back that day. He was playing right back because Matip had come in to partner Van Dijk at centre-back and it was Liverpool basically made seven changes from the team that played Everton. When they went to Burnley the year before on the New Year's Day, they made seven changes then as well. So I can't see Liverpool won't make as many changes this time around. But if Gomez does play, I think he might play right back. I think you know we know Burnley are going to play. They make no secret about the way that they, they do things, and they've started the season quite well. You know, Ashley Barnes is somebody's in a bit of form, and I think Trent for all his qualities and he's a better defender than most people, you know, say. But Joe Gomez is better defensively. He's probably better in the air. He's got a little bit more, a bit more robust. I think he may play at right back, so mm. it will be squaring the circle a little bit uh, for him. But I don't think he'll have any problems if he gets given a if get given the starting role. At, at Burnley I think he'll probably quite relish it to be honest because it'll give him another opportunity to mm. uh, to prove not only to, that he's over the injury but also he's, he's match fit because I think he, when he played the first three games of the season he, he played more in that week than the previous eight months combined so it, it's a slow process for him but he's actually been physically fit for what four months now four months so it's just about a matter of getting sharper and the only way
0: he's going to do that is by playing. Would it make sense, Joe? Bearing in mind, as we know, once things resume again in mid-September, there is going to be a glut of games with Liverpool basically playing at mm. least you know twice a week for the for the for the foreseeable future to make sure the likes of uh, Gomez and others have a, a few more miles in their legs so they're able to hit the ground running when this th- you know this thick and fast set of games. Arrive
1: absolutely. I, th- I did think Klopp said in his press conference that there wouldn't be too many changes yeah. uh, tomorrow. Yeah. But I, I do. I agree with Doyley. I, th- I think we could see him play right back. I just think with the threat that the Burnley pose and the, the physical threat that he might switch that round. Um, he did that last season. Wouldn't surprise me if he does it again. I don't think he'll mess about with that centre back pairing for now. But I think once the games start start coming thick and fast, I think that's when. We will see him tweak it, especially in the Champions League games and, and and perhaps even the League Cup. So I think Gomez will get his chance back at centre half to sort of put his stamp. Because I get the feeling Klopp and that's why he started the season, didn't he, Gomez mm. at centre half. And I get the feeling Klopp wants him there. Yeah. Well, I think it's we all know he wants him there long term, but I think Klopp almost wants to give him the chance at the start of the season to nail that place back down and, and Matty deserves deserves to be there at the moment. But I like Gomez. I hope, I hope he plays tomorrow. I think he's a better right back than perhaps people give him credit for. He's just a, such a different style from Trent, isn't he? Yeah. So we're we're used to seeing a very attacking right back, and when you see someone who's perhaps his instinct is to is to defend a little more, you you, you don't you don't think they're quite as good. They're just a different style, and I think um, that'll suit Liverpool quite well at, at Burnley. Mm
0: okay moving on having already teased it slightly ahead of time Alex Oxley chamberlain <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be in the Echo tomorrow isn't he <laughs> um, and he has been awarded an England call up um, for uh, the forthcoming set of international fixtures now I'm sure I'm probably not the only England uh, sorry the only Liverpool fan um, who winced slightly and uh, when I heard that he got the call up because you know since time immemorial Liverpool players have been getting called up for England and getting injured um, but taking you know, a step back from that, um, after what the lad's been through over the last 18 months, um, I can imagine that getting that call up yesterday, was it? Yeah, today, yeah, yeah. Yesterday, would have been would have been a real kind of important moment for him and, and, and would have given him an awful lot of encouragement and, and self-belief really on his road to recovery.
2: Yeah, if you look back at the last 16 months now since he picked up that injury against Roman and it's been... A slow process for him, he basically missed out on the entire last season, didn't he? He missed, the champs, missed two Champions League finals, missed the World Cup with England and then it's it's turned for him the last eight or nine days, he's been given his contract extension which is just reward for all the hard work and, and the devotion he's given towards getting himself fit and then he's that, that's been followed up with a, a first call up to the England squad since March uh, last year so um, if he plays against Bulgaria or Kosovo in the next few weeks. It'll be his first England cap since since March 2018. And uh, fair play to him. I know, with, uh, as you say, Dan, um, a lot of Liverpool fans don't like to see the players getting called up to, to England squads and prefer that they chuck it all in early. But um, he <laughs> he's a big. He he, he he loves playing for England, doesn't he? Um, I know he was in a, a role as an analysis for Sky Sports. You know, a few months after his injury, commentating on England. Um and, and he loves playing for them, so fair play to him. Um I think he's he's got it on the basis for that performance against Southampton because he wasn't he wasn't great in the super cup, but uh he was very, very good against Southampton, much improved and um he's a great option for Garris Southgate.
0: Ian it's understandable to a certain degree, isn't it, why certain Liverpool fans feel <laughs> <laughs> could, try not to be
3: attacked by your microphone. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's only it? um <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you and you, you, uh, many can appreciate why. Going back to John Barnes, Jamie Redknapp, even further, why Liverpool fans have, have had a certain position or, or certain feelings about their players going off for international duty. But I've always, I, I feel, certainly as I get older, that taking our kind of fan hat off and putting a you know a, a more objective head on for individuals. Individual individual footballers, it's a massive deal for them hmm. playing in the country, whether they're from, whether they're English or British or not. And ultimately, Liverpool can often be the beneficiaries if a player is being if a if a player feels truly fulfilled. And for many of them, that will involve playing for the national side.
3: Well, that's it. I mean, it was Jamie Carragher, wasn't it? He's always quoted where he said that you know. I'm more bothered about Liverpool than I ever was for England, but we didn't say I didn't care about England, mm. did he? Yeah, I mean it's it's right that you know the the players are more bothered about their clubs. For most of them, they are that, that that's the weight should be because that's where they go every every week. They they to turn up for training nearly every day. You know that they're the home fans, the ones that they're trying to win stuff for. But playing for England is a bit different. It, when, you know when when these players are youngsters and they're knocking it around. Outside, wherever they play, you can't play on the streets anymore, can you? So, probably in the backyard. pictures. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. <laughs> yeah, the Johan Cruyff pictures, yeah, yeah. yeah, the little cages, yeah, yeah. The cages. yeah. Uh, but you know, they're all playing, saying, I want to play for England in a World Cup and scoring a World Cup final. I mean, everybody's done that. So, Dan, you're right in the sense that if it benefits these individual players, it will then benefit the clubs, whether it's yeah. Liverpool or, or whoever. But the flip side to that is that they're going off for 10 days or whatever, different training regimes, they will get. You know, the respective nations, their coaching staff, and their medical staff will get told, look, if this person's on a certain programme, could you please do X, Y and Z? And most of the time they'll do that. But, you know, every now and again, that's the reason why these players get injured because they are something slightly different and because they're also finely tuned as athletes and, you know, professional sportsmen is that when something's slightly different, sometimes it can have an effect on them. But as long as these players, you know, come through it fine, then it's good for Liverpool.
0: Joe, um, it will obviously it it, it will be a, a huge boost to oxlade Chamberlain to be involved again with with the national side, and as as has alluded to there, there there's likely to be a sense of of understanding and realism about Gareth Southgate and the England setup in terms of they're not just going to throw him straight in the team and make him play 180 minutes back to back. Um, so, are you confident that? In a fortnight or so's time, Liverpool will reconvene ahead of the home match with Newcastle, hopefully with a sharper Oxlade-Chamberlain on their, hand, on their hands ready and raring to get stuck into the Geordies. I'm never confident that you come out of the international break without, <laughs> well.
1: without injuries. You? Just, you always just dread these couple of weeks. And, hopeful and, then, rather yeah. than confident. But, but somebody will get injured. Uh, somebody, somebody probably will. But look, if, if Oxlade-Chamberlain plays in those games, even if he plays a, a little part in them and, and plays well... I think it, like Dooley said, it'd be great for Liverpool. I think for him, he likes playing for England, and it won't help, won't half help his confidence. The battle he's had to go through to to get back to where he is now, um, starting a couple of games back to back, I think did him did him a world of good. Starting in a couple of different positions, all right. He wasn't great in the Super Cup, but I think he'll have, he'll have learned from that, won't he? And 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 Liverpool learned a lot about him playing playing him out on that left hand side, and then back in the midfield. I think he looked he goodly look good against Southampton. And if he can play in that similar position for England, I think it'll do him the world of good. Um but I hope it's only for about five minutes the and, <laughs> and, and then he comes off he scores scores a hat trick in those five minutes. And, up the and, yeah, yeah and he comes yeah. off and he's fine. So yeah, I'd, Again, I hate the international break. It's awful. It's like, they should never have them. They should make them play football. The two <laughs> games a week, every week, all summer. Yeah. Flog them. The That's what you want. They paid it off.
0: Just flog them. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Speaking of flogging, um, uh, just bringing it back onto the game tomorrow then before we do our predictions and team selectors. Um, Jürgen Klopp spoke briefly this, um, today about his relationship with Sean Bike. There seemed to be a slight bit of tetchiness between the Two managers at the end of um, John Daesh. yes, to at, give him at, his proper at, name, at Daesh. <laughs> sorry, at, at, the, at the end of the game, uh, in December. Um, at the same time, even though they've got clearly got you know vastly different footballing strategies and ideologies, it's hard not to admire the work that Daesh has done with Burnley for a club with very small resources. And they will they will fancy their chances tomorrow against Liverpool, won't they? Sebastian Liverpool fan. Seriously, he was brought up as a Liverpool fan, Mm.
3: yes. So, not secretly, but obviously they'd be made up when they won the Champions League, but he'd be more made up if they beat them Mm. uh, on Saturday. I mean, we know what, what to expect from Burnley, the way that they play the game. And... It works for them and they've got players you know that, it's, it's like the old school 80s, you'll remember when you go to certain places like Wimbledon or Luton with yeah. MacArthur or even when you're playing likes of Hull with Billy Whitehurst. And these, Billy these, I assume, our, yeah. our podcast listeners will have no idea who any of these people are. Ask your own kids. <laughs> <laughs> but you, they're not the they weren't the world's greatest players but they made life a lot difficult. And in today's game, they're few and far between now and Burnley have got exponents of it that are very very good at it mm. so, so why wouldn't you
1: Ashley Barnes has scored. hasn't he scored more goals than anyone but Mo Salah and, and Sergio Aguero in, yes. in
3: 2019 yeah. <laughs> so he's somebody who he's, he's, he's technically you wouldn't say he's in the same class as those players we just mentioned but he's, he's no fool no. and he's got the physical attributes to go with that and he'll know exactly how to, to get at Liverpool but Virgil van Dijk, isn't it? So that's why Van Dijk again makes such a difference that he's he's able to
1: to cope with these kind of players. Well, D- Josh Williams, also known as Distance Covered, um, <laughs> Distance Covered, this, also known occasionally as Josh. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he changed his profile name. I, mean, I was just like. God, I was like, "Who's Who's Josh Williams?" <laughs> and he got rid of the little the little green picture. Like, who's that man? But yeah, it, well, this Josh Williams the he's very quiet. He he does his little stats, and <laughs> he was doing his his Burnley ones and it, his his piece about Burnley. I was laughing with him about it. It was mad because essentially. It, long story short, is they crap. And, they don't and want the they, ball, do they? They don't want any of the Play ball. It. They let you have about 100 shots a game. They, they hardly <laughs> have any shots of their own. But it, they just seem to get, get through fine. And, mm. and maybe that that's the the secret to, to Daish's success, that he just goes, don't bother playing well. We'll just come out and we, we'll get results. And <laughs> I've never I, 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 I don't really understand how you go about preparing for a, a game like Burnley. I, I mean... It's a, it must be a difficult one for Klopp and his, his coaching staff, but I think it, it's another one of those places, and everyone goes, "Oh, it's tough." But more often than not, teams win there. So I think for Liverpool, they've they've just got to go into it in the mindset as it's, it's not as tough as, as as many make out. And if if they're anything like as good as they can be, they'll they'll swap Burnley aside and move on. Of
0: course, you'll have heard the expression, but yeah, we'll used many times over the years you've got to earn the right to play. And it probably applies to trips to places like Burnley as much Mm. as anywhere else. The one thing that strikes me about this Liverpool team is that they've shown an awareness of the need to operate like that over a period of time now. So whereas maybe in in times past, Liverpool supporters would have approached the fixture like this with maybe a certain degree of trepidation that some of their top players may not fancy it, that's not really the case anymore, is it? No, it isn't. Um, The...
2: You normally associate you know, some of the best players in the world but sometimes they're not mentally at the races and if they get an, a tackle early on they, they shake and it's a bit of a cliche and it certainly doesn't apply to this Liverpool team they, they've got character in spades and they've shown it so many times over the last season that I don't imagine a trip to Turf more, um worrying them too much it will be a difficult place to go as it always is and Klopp was saying today teams go there and if they win they don't turn them over they don't win threes and fours and pool won't be the same, but I still think pool will come out of it with the points. Um they've just gotta dig in and, and dog it out. And um they've got the the style and the know how to do that these days, which which hasn't always been there.
0: Right, well um we'll we'll begin to wrap things up then. We'll come back to you then, uh Gorsley. What's your what's your eleven to take on the claret tomorrow?
2: Uh, well I think it's obviously Adrian and goal. I was warming to the, the Gomez at right back thirty, but don't well, t- t- tell me a joke. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, definitely yeah. don't want to yeah. do it now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd, I'd stick with Trent at right back with um, Van Dijk and and Andy Robertson, and then midfield three, Fabinho, and I'd probably put Milner in there.
0: Scored there last year, didn't he? Mm,
2: and Henderson, and then my front three is, I uh, have a guess.
0: The usual suspects.
3: Mm. Can I just say Turf Moor is very difficult to get to because there's only one road in and out. So it is a difficult place to go to. So that's there you go. That's that's for all yeah. those Reds fans yeah. travelling there
0: tomorrow, traffic uh, advice
3: provided by India. <laughs> yeah.
1: and, and, if um, you were a, if you were a football ground, you'd be turf more wet, <laughs> windy, miserable. No,
3: I think I find you <laughs> wow. would yeah. be because it is Brexit Heartland. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh if you were listening so to last right.
0: podcast, you'll know exactly what that's Brexit in reference to. Indoor. Brexit, I'm putting Rayman. my foot down as host for the first time. <laughs> we're not talking about Brexit. <laughs> um, pick a team for me in uh, any team. Um... I would have Joey Goey at right back Joey as Goey. he's now
3: known uh, I wouldn't have the Ox uh, in the starting line <laughs> he's fine I uh, I'd go along with Milner playing in midfield so I'd, I'd have two changes Joe Gomez right back and James Milner instead of Wan Wijnaldum which is a bit harsh on Wijnaldum but I think he'll have a part to play I don't think Liverpool will make massive changes Jürgen Klopp as Joe pointed out mentioned maybe one or two tweaks and I think they might be the two
1: Fair enough Joseph? Yeah I'd have Joe Gomez at right back um I'd probably keep Ginny Maynard in midfield, bring bring Milner on, should you need him.
0: Yep. Always a good first sub-Milner. Yep. Either way, you know. Anyway, um, predictions? I'll say 3-1 to Liverpool. 3-1.
2: Three, 3-1. One. Three, one. Uh, I'm going to go for 2-1. Narrow, tough, hard fought, all the usuals. All the usual Burnley cliches.
1: Yeah, they're all going in. <laughs> yeah, no, I 3-1. I, I, th- I honestly think... I think Burnley usually seem to get a goal, don't they? Liverpool are conceding them this year and they'll have a corner or a set-piece that that will wobble Liverpool at some point. But other than that, I, th- I think Liverpool will, will do it.
3: I think a lot might depend on the keeper in terms of how he deals with it.
1: Perhaps, yeah. He's, got, he's proactive, though, isn't, isn't he? He's Adrian, played six years got... in the
3: Premier League. It's not yeah. like you know, he's yeah, just yeah, come yeah. from Spain. It's going and... to be tough for whoever because... Yeah. I mean, I think sure. Burnley's goal in the last game should, in fact, to Burnley's first Jack goal at Anfield. Yeah, Burnley's first goal at Anfield. Oh, it was fast. That, a, wasn't that it? was a foul, oh, yeah. and yeah. then the the goal that they scored at Turf Moor was offside and
0: a foul or something like that. Think so basically, goals so would South never South be allowed North, because it?
3: of
1: VAR. <laughs> <laughs> um, three three nil. No one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: going to go for a two-nil. I think that tomorrow might be the day Liverpool keep their first clean sheet of the season uh, but we shall see thank you all for listening um, I hope you all continue to enjoy listening to these Blood Red podcasts and uh, obviously give us your feedback on um, the Echo's Twitter feed Live Echo LFC um, and, and via the Echo website we'll be back with you on Monday when we will look back at the weekend match against Burnley and also ahead to the international break which as you know we all love to bits have a great weekend